That's fantastic. Oh my gosh, right? Um, yeah, so, this, so if y'all don't know at Vintage, we bought 48 acres. It's like we paid for eight. God gifted us 40, and uh, we just saw the picture of that. And so we're in this process in this season, really kind of taking like mental steps forward, practical steps forward. Part of that's this rooted initiative, which is honestly where we're saying, hey, all the vintage, a two-year journey together where we're going to financially kind of, financially we're going to be obedient to the Lord, each of us, and take that step forward. And so we're excited about that. And these are the little banks the kids have. It's really, really cool. One of the things we did this morning that we're excited about is this. Did everybody get one of these when you came in the door? This is, uh, says the Rooted Prayer uh, Guide, and, uh, and so we're excited because we recognize in all the things that we're doing uh, that we need Jesus, right? It's like, if we don't have Jesus, doesn't go with us, then we ain't going to go anywhere. And so uh, Ben and Sandy Gillum have been leading this charge in the prayer initiative and part of the Rooted Campaign, Rooted Initiative. And so I want to invite them to come forward. They've created this. They're going to talk about it and say what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> um, Stephen and Randall and the and the leadership team asked us to to start with this uh, kick off this prayer thing. And but I gotta say first, was worship awesome? Awesome! Gosh. Um, our first this morning was um, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and those that know my voice will open the door, and I'll come in and dine with you, and you can dine with me. Harvest said this morning, what do you guys want to eat? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. And then Randall, that was awesome prayer. Anyway, uh, love church. All right. Uh, we were asked to kick off the prayer initiative. So as we started praying about the prayer initiative, boy, we just got excited. It just got more and more exciting because you can see what God's doing. He, he kind of pulls back the curtain a little bit, and you can see that he's got something for us. And if you can't feel it, I don't know, you start praying with us. So for that, we started this. We got this, and um, it's the prayer guide, and it goes through four weeks, 28 days. We tried to make it kind of simple, but... Um, I'll go through a little bit more. Did any of you guys see the movie uh, Facing the Giants? You guys see that movie? Uh, no, Kelly did. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, and that's right. And um, it was a um, football movie, and the football coach was discouraged. In the one scene where the um, old guy came into uh, the coach and, and wanted to encourage him. Because the coach was feeling discouraged, and he said, uh, God opens doors that can't be shut, and shuts doors that can't be opened, and he still had an open door there. And he was encouraging the coach. The coach goes, chases him down in the hall and says, you really think God told you to come see me? He said, yes, I do. And he, the man relayed a, a story to the coach and said, there's two farmers who both desperately needed rain, and they were both praying diligently for rain. One of the farmers goes out and prepares the field. Which one was trusting God for the rain? And the obvious answer is the guy that's preparing the field. So uh, that's what we're doing. When we're praying, 
we're getting we're getting ready. We're getting ready. So four weeks. The first week is digging. We just we're preparing the soil. And the next week is we plant. The next week we water. And the final week we wait. It's 28 days, y'all. And, and something happens when we pray corporately. And we're all praying on the same page. So um, I hope and pray that y'all can get some of the excitement that we've got by getting ready to pray. We're praying to pray. So let's, let's pray. All right. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, hey, so it's already, was it five till five till 12? So I'm not preaching five minutes. Um, so if you need to leave at noon, this would be a great time for you to go ahead and leave. And you can just go ahead and listen to the podcast. Uh, if you would like to stay, then that's fantastic, too. And I'm going to preach through the message this morning because I believe God wants to speak. All right. So here we go. How many of you love the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, we love the yeah. I mean, we love the the gift of healing, and the gift of administration, the gift of evangelism, the gift of prophecy, and we love the gift of giving. And so, when we talk in the context about this rooted initiative, what we want to recognize is the man. We can talk about all these different things, but this, in the upcoming weeks, we want to focus on this nature of what does it mean to be expressing the gift of giving? Because the reality is this: like anybody can pray for healing and experience the gift of healing through them, right? Anybody can, listen, anybody can evangelize, right? And the God can anoint them with the gift of evangelism, just as God can take anyone and express the gift of giving through them for the purposes of his kingdom. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And really the upcoming weeks is what does it look like for us to honestly hear this? Let's, let's die or let die some of the unfortunate experiences that we've had in church around finances and money. Right? I mean, let's just be honest. Like, some of us like, oh, money in church. Some of you, it's like your first Sunday here, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to church talking about, talking about money. And I would say, no, I'm not talking about money. <laughs> I'm talking about what I believe God wants to do in our midst, which is create in us a heart of generosity. The reason is really, really simple. We've been talking for the last... Four weeks. Like, so last week, I'm here with Charles Sineth and really enjoyed Charles speaking, right? Man, it was so good. He talked about just being a peculiar people. It's really stuck with me all week, right? But the four weeks before that, we looked at Jeremiah 29. And, and, and the scripture says, um, says, what does it say? Um, someone help me out. I'm drawing a blank. No, no, no. It says, <laughs> go ahead. What does it say? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so yes, here we go. You will, uh, no, it's not either. That's the wrong one. Man, I'm like so into worship this morning, I can't even really... Oh, good Lord, have mercy. Seek the prosperity of the city in which you live, right? Seek the prosperity of the city in which you live, which I've called you. Pray to the Lord for it. For if it prospers, then you will prosper. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have called you. Because the only way that you're going to prosper in anything that you do is if you seek the prosperity of the city in which you live. And so what I want to start out is saying, man, God, 
God put in you a desire. I mean, all of us want to prosper, right? We said prosper means shalom. It means a holistic peace. Everything that you need to survive and thrive in life. And so it's like a holistic expression of peace and a sense of joy, of, of hope, of his kindness. It's also of his financial provision because I think you all know it takes money to live. Can I get an amen? You can't make it in life without it. And so when we talk about this holistic shalom and peace and prosperity that God wants to bring, it's the full gamut, indefinitely 100%, including your money and your finances. But it's everything else, your time, your energy, and your resources, right? All of these pieces of who you are. So God says, listen, I've given you 48 acres. I've given you neighbors. I've given you a job. I've given you family. And I want you to seek their peace. I want you to seek their prosperity. I want you to seek their shalom. Because the, and the only way you're going to have shalom yourself is if you're seeking that for them. And so with that in mind, we have to understand that they're the, only, like the, the primary way is like, how then do you bring prosperity? Well, it's real simple. By being generous. Don't you recognize that no one can, like if prosperity is a gift, then someone has to always be giving it. Like here's the deal. You want to prosper in your job? Well, the only way you're going to prosper is if your boss decides to be generous to you. Your children... They will only prosper with new phones and new cars if you choose to be generous. Can I get an amen, right? It's like it takes someone being generous for someone else to prosper. When you hear miraculous stories, usually, of provision in missionaries' lives, because we're, we're, they're safe people to tell stories about, do you know how they receive provision? Somebody was generous. And it wasn't just with money. It could be with time. It could be with energy. It could be with resources. I mean, I want someone to be generous with affirmation. Amen, guys. Like, I want someone. Listen, we love being around those people. We want people who are generous with everything that they possess. And because when people are generous, then those they are generous towards they prosper, and I'm telling you that when that person is generous, that's how they prosper. That's just the idea. And so this morning, we're going to dive into what we call the genius of generosity. It's the book we're reading in your small groups, you're doing in your small groups, and we're going to talk about this nature of the genius of being generous. So, when define the word genius, many of us think of someone with a high IQ. But do you know people who have a high IQ and just aren't real smart? Right? It's like they ain't got no common sense whatsoever. Like if you're going to sit next to somebody in a test and cheat, that's the person. If you do the rest of life, don't be near them, right? Even though I'm getting at don't cheat. It's terrible youth, right? And so, but you know, it's like, so there's this whole point. So there's this idea then that's defining like more like wisdom, right? Genius, more in the context of wisdom. Jesus is someone whose life is marked by just having experiential knowledge and good judgment. So a person may have, IQ, have a high IQ, but no wisdom. A genius is one who has wisdom and experiential knowledge that empowers their good judgment. Genius, wisdom. 
On the flip side, generosity in Latin speaks to someone of being of noble birth, noble-minded, gracious, unselfish, and willing to share. It's really interesting this word was birthed during a day when people believed that kings, queens, princes, and princesses, that they were ordained by God with a unique calling where they would be entrusted with resources to demonstrate the character of God in giving it away. And so generosity was in the context of those who had, with an expectation that they would then be generous, they would have a command of God to give it away. Don't you know that we are all sons and daughters of the King? That our lives are defined by our own nobility as the King's kids. Princes and princesses. And so the idea is that we come into this place now talking about seeking the prosperity of the people that we live among. And we then have generosity to define our lives because we have noble birth. And we are then to give to those who do not have of all of our resources, time, energy, and finances, affirmation, kindness, love, compassion. And so let me just go ahead and say, today I'm talking absolutely about money and then everything else that God has given me. Because don't you know that nothing that you have actually was something that you earned? It was given to you by God. And so today, I'm unafraid to talk about money because it was given to me by my dad because he loves me. And every bit of money that you have was given to you by your spiritual dad because he loves you. And everything that, everything that you have in your hands, everything that you can express that's good and kind and right was given to you by dad. And so when we talk about all of these things in generosity, please think absolutely money and then everything else around it. And recognize... There is a genius, a wisdom, in being generous and giving ourselves a way that others may prosper, because in their prosperity, we will prosper. The question we want to answer is, what is so genius, then, about generosity? We're going to ask, we're going to talk about a lot of different things this morning. There are two primary points that answer these questions. If you're taking notes, you can write them down right here, and I'll break them down a little bit first. Like what is so genius about generosity? First, it just works. It just works. We're going to look at that here in a second, right? It just works. In the second, generosity protects us from making stupid decisions in our investment, right? The first thing about generosity, it works. And second, it protects us from making stupid decisions. So generosity works. When thinking about a life of generosity, I want to begin with that practical argument. Man, Like being generous in life, it just works. We all know, we teach this to our kids, that it's better to give than to what? Absolutely. So we were sitting at at La Perea for Anna Catherine's birthday. Skylar and Sarah Parker and somebody else were sitting over there at a table. And we like said, hey. And so we're doing our dinner, we're doing our lunch. Right? We're doing our lunch. 
And it's like, it's Anna got the birthday, she's the center of attention, right? So I'm on the side, sit next to Anna, Randall's mom, and Aunt Becky right here, sweet Aunt Becky, right? Then across was Sarah, and, and then Randall, and then my mom and dad over here, right? We're eating, and it's like birthday, right? It's birthday lunch, it's like the day everybody gets their own personal cheese dip, it seems like, right? Where it's not just water, you get to choose a real drink, right? Just order what you want to off the well, I mean, within limits. Why, but, but still order what you want and we're doing our thing, right? And so, so we eat and we get done, we get the bill. And the guy goes, hey, that bill's been taken care of. And everyone's like, oh my gosh. And I'm thinking about one o'clock was Sarah and Skylar Parker and somebody else, right? And I said, did the Parkers pick that up? He goes, yes, they did, as a matter of fact. In fact, they left a note for you. And they read off this, this beautiful note of like, hey, we love you. We think that you're awesome. Anna Catherine, you're the best. Happy birthday. And we're just glad to be doing life with you and be part of the family with you. And you know what? And, and you know what happened? So we were in the circle. My, my parent, my dad's got tears in his eyes. My, my, my mom's like, what's going on? And Randall's mom's like, I can't believe he did that. I just can't believe he did that. Do you know how much that costs? I can't believe that he did that. Becky, I don't know what Becky's doing. She's just over there going, oh, all right. Anna Catherine went and Catherine felt, she felt special. She felt loved. She felt cared for because Sarah and Skylar thought enough to buy her lunch and to buy our lunch and to tell us how much that they loved us. It was better for them to give than it was even for us to receive. It was pretty stinking awesome to receive that. (laughs) The idea of generosity works, doesn't it? Everyone we know tells us that they enjoy giving a special gift more than they enjoy receiving one. People who, listen, people who give feel great and they feel blessed. When people are generous, great things happen in their lives and great things happen to others. It's just the reality. Generosity works. First thing we know, that's because Scripture says so. Have you ever heard of the book of Proverbs? Right? You ever heard of Solomon? He was the son of David and he said, God said, hey, what do, name one thing you want. I want wisdom. And so, so God granted him wisdom. And now we have the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. Proverbs eleven twenty five. I could read this and we could go home. It simply says this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I mean, you should go meditate on that for a week. A generous person will prosper. Whoever gives will be given to. Whoever refreshes will be refreshed, right? That's the mentality. So I can look at it and go, okay, God, it's wisdom. When it's spoken, I should listen. A generous person, a gift of generosity, when they give, then they will, listen, they will experience a holistic shalom that affects every part of their life and every need and everything that it takes pertaining to life and godliness will be provided for them because of their generosity. In turn, they will prosper. That's pretty heavy. Generosity, according to Proverbs 11, verse 25, is wisdom. It works. Generosity works, right? 
We experience the shalom as we refresh others. We shall be refreshed. This is enough, right? The second reality. So first is scripture. How do we, so their generosity works. We see it in scripture. Second thing we see is just through observation. Do you know that you live your entire life every day observing? You observe if your kids take a shower or not. You observe if they ate dinner. You observe your spouse and how they're feeling when they get home, right? You're observing your neighbors to see what are they doing over there, right? You're observing, hey, when you walk into your job, is my boss in a good mood today? He ain't, so I'm stepping back, right? Like every day you're observing what the person in front of you is doing because you tell them if they can drive or not, right? Like we're observing things all day long. We live lives of observation. And so observation is a gift of God to say, I want you to observe so you can learn and see things. And so observation in life tells us that generosity works. All of us, all of us, one truth that each of us has observed at one point in time, hear this. Greedy, selfish, and Scrooge-like people are miserable and unhappy. They just are. You've observed it. It's not rocket science. You don't have an high IQ. It just requires wisdom. You got it. You've observed it. On the flip side, those people who act generously are gracious and kind like Skylar and Sarah and help others in a large way, they're just much happier and enjoy life. Who do you want to be in a wonderful life, George or Mr. Potter? Nobody likes Mr. Potter. They just don't. Man, we recognize and observe those who are generous. Man, people are drawn to those people. People are drawn to those, not just because they get something from them, but because you just feel the warmth, you feel the tenderness, you feel, you don't even know what you feel, you just know you feel it because you observe it. It's just observation. When we are generous, Something very positive wells up inside of us when we become attractive to others. Why do you think, listen, don't you think it, that's just one of the reasons people were drawn to Jesus and not to the Pharisees? Do you want to make like Bible all of a sudden? It's like a go heavy Bible? Because he was just generous as a life and the way that he loved, the way that he affirmed. The way he took a woman in sin and said, hey, idiots, won't the one who has the, has the listen, this who has no sin, won't you cast the first stone? Mm. I mean, he was ready to bring it, to protect, because he affirmed he was generous in his affection and fighting for her. I mean, Jesus wouldn't give the finger, but if he did, he would have done it right there for them. I'm just saying, right? Don't do that. But he would have. He's like, ah. He's not generous with the finger. All right, here we go. Number three. How we know generosity works? Experience. This is another practical expression of the wisdom of generosity. How many of you feel encouraged and satisfied when you do something generous? How many of you at Christmas can't wait for the gift that you bought to be opened by the person that you love, and that's really more exciting to you than the gifts that you're receiving? Oh, that's pretty cool too, right? 
I can tell you the first Christmas, I literally bought gifts for every single person in my family. My, my grandparents, my parents, right? Like people that I was close with. Like I, I can tell you what I bought. I can tell you where I bought it. And I can tell you how much it cost. Because that year I decided I'm going to choose to be generous. And it was by far the most, up to that point, the most fun and enjoyable Christmas I had ever had. Because I experienced this beauty of generosity and it caused me to prosper in the moment, to enjoy the process. Man, it was so beautiful. How many of you feel fulfilled when you go out of your way for someone? When you find a way to affirm or to encourage, to do something or to bless or to, to buy a meal to whatever it may be, right? I was talking, listen, we were talking to my mother-in-law one day, Ann, right? And, and Ann's not one of those who just throws out $100 bills to people. That's not who she is, right? She's very frugal and she's very con, you know, conservative with her finances. We were talking to her one day. She's like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm doing. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm going to the grocery store. And if I find someone behind me, I think it's just struggling in life or someone like a mom with like kids crawling all over her. And you can tell, I just, I just buy her entire bill of groceries. I said, are you like in the 10, 10 items or less line, <laughs> right? You know? He's like, no, 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 right? No, man, I got, and she goes, I just, I mean, people get, they just start crying. And I'm like, I feel so good about myself. Do you remember when Jesus said, for the joy set before me, I endured the cross? Because I found great joy in it. Because it created prosperity for me. Shalom for me, I died and gave my life away because I couldn't wait to see. But I received, I, Jesus received more in his death than you received. It is not wrong for us. He said, like, listen, even in the seek the prosperity city in which you live, for if it prospers, then what? You will prosper. He's making it really clear. Seeking your own prosperity is not wrong. In fact, Jesus did it. Why do you think you enjoy it so much? Because Jesus does, and you've been created in his image. We enjoy the things that Jesus enjoys. He enjoys giving himself sacrificially, and so and then he receives in return. So do we. When we give, we've been created in his image. Don't be scrooge, right? Man, experience this. It's just... Listen, generosity works. Those are just a few things. Number one, generosity protects us from making stupid investments. Being generous is genius because it saves us from being short-sighted in how we're spending the resources that God has given us. Listen, I had a buddy of mine, Rick Bond, and I've talked about him before. I said, man, what's going on? And he was like, man, I was praying at night. God gave me two stocks that I had to buy. So I went and bought them, and they've like tripled. I'm like, that's an awesome plan for stock investments, right? I could have never done that. But that'd be so awesome because everybody wants a sure thing, don't we? We want a sure fire, sure thing investment. Anybody in the business world is looking for the sure thing, right? We want that. We recognize that it's genius to invest into something that we know will bring about a return. And so the whole story in Matthew chapter 6 Verses 19 through 24 is a story about being wise and having a sure thing in your investment of your resources that you own. And he tells the story because he recognizes that most human beings 
are really bad at investing into things that just don't last forever. You understand the ideology because you tell your kids all day long, don't spend your money on candy, save it for a car. That's what Randall says, right? I say, save it for Christmas, right? So they can buy gifts for me. Okay, so, no, but it's like we understand the ideology. And so in this, generosity protects us. Matthew 6, let's read this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, when, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If in the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he or she will hate the one and love the other, or he or she will be devoted to one, despise it. You cannot serve God and wealth. So let's just break these down together. I'm not going to go super, super deep into any of these. Kind of get the idea of what it's talking about. So the two treasures, the moral of the story is to be wise with the investment of our finances. In this story, there are two people. One who stores up treasures here on earth, and one who stores up treasure in heaven. Just two people. Okay, there's just two people. One who devotes themselves primarily to the investment of things on earth, and one who primarily invests into the things of the kingdom. So, give, uh, giving up yourselves to only focusing on money, in the context of our time on earth, storing up treasures for self-pleasure, where it can and will be destroyed, is unwise. So the idea of just focusing on the earth, just spending the majority of our finances, spending the majority of our money, our resources on things just on earth, and just focusing here... It's unwise. But if we focus on growing our finances, like we want to grow in our wealth, we want to increase what we have for the purpose of growing the kingdom today, he's saying that's wise. If you want to grow and grow financially and grow in these resources, that's fantastic. It's wise as long as focused primarily on saying, God, I'm doing this for the sake of the kingdom. Investment is a good thing if we're focusing, focusing on eternal purposes. John Wesley's idea was similar. It's real simple. This is great for you to use. I think about it all the time. He says, make all you can by any means possible, he would add. So working, basically John says, you have to work your tail off every day. He's saying you can't be lazy. You make all you can by any means possible. He was far busier than any of us. Save all you can by, listen, save all you can by only spending on necessities, he would say, so that you can give all you can. It's beautiful. He kind of gives this idea how we live. And the idea is like, he was, in, in, in our terms, he was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Over the life, he was an incredible writer. He sold all these books, right? All these his tithes and offerings that came in. He spoke, I think he spoke 400 times a year, right? Just because he'd speak at more than one place at a time. So every day he was speaking, everywhere he went, giving an honorarium, whatever it may. So he, 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 over his years, he accrued millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, right? But in the context, at the end of his life, he had literally given all of it away to, to those who had needs. So all he had left when he died, literally, was a pair of, this was a set of silver spoons that had been given to him from his family. Right? That was his call. 
He lived with the eternal perspective in mind, right? The return on investment here is clear. As we give here on earth, God will bring an eternal reward in heaven. It says, store up treasures in heaven. That's a wise investment. So just really practically, he says, as you live your life every day, focusing on what you're giving your resources to in the context of eternity, on the flip side, you are receiving blessings in heaven that you will enjoy forever. That's just what it says. And so the point is this. Do I live my life, by, if my life is a timeline, and my life, like life is a timeline, and mine's just one single dot on the timeline, is it most wise to invest all of my finances on the dot or think about the whole line? That's what he's getting at. That's all he's saying. So, I live, with the, I live with eternity in mind, and all that I'm doing, I'm going to cause the prosperity for others by being generous with everything that God's entrusted with me as its ambassador, and as in doing so, that I'm storing up a treasure in heaven that I will, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to enjoy it forever, and because we know who Jesus is and how he works, the enjoyment for eternity far exceeds what joy looks like here. So we live this eternal perspective. And so he comes with two perspectives, which is the next piece. When he talks about the, like the good and the bad eyes, it's just two perspectives. Jesus is simplifying his message by saying there's no middle ground in how we view money, investment, and eternity. Either our eyes are good, meaning our perspective and our actions are focused on eternity, or our eyes are bad, good or bad. Either we're focused on eternity or we're focused on self-pleasure in the here and now, the meaning is clear. Either we have an eternal perspective with our finances or we don't, and we need to have a fi- an eternal perspective. Which leads to the third part. There's two masters. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one, hate the other, love the other, or he'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. It's the picture of a slave market. We're a slave in the moment. It's literally being auctioned. And either he is, he is bought by one master who owns him, or he's bought by the other master who owns him. No slave has two masters. And Jesus says that if you want to know who your master is, then follow your money trail. Where? Listen. Follow the money trail. Where we spend the best of our energies, where we spend the best of our resources and time and money, right, shows where our heart is. He's saying, so just be wise. Focus on eternity. With your generosity, focus on eternity. Jesus is teaching about generosity. He's saying it's genius. Generosity just works. It just works. Scripture tells us, observation tells us, experience tells us. Generosity is the greatest investment of all that you have. Why do you fight so hard to keep it all for yourself? You're going to die. It's going to rust. It's going to deteriorate. You can't take it with you. So where are you in the eternal perspective he's creating for us? Because this Jim Elliott says this great quote, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He's talking about gaining. It's a message of it's a message of prosperity. We, we want to not lose. We want to gain. But he is no fool. 
This person is not a fool who gives what he cannot keep for eternity to gain that which he can keep for eternity. Generosity. As a person prospers, then you will prosper here and then for eternity. When did eternity begin? The moment I gave my life to Jesus. Prosperity is birthed out of generosity. Now, God is calling us. He's calling you, he's calling us to prosper the city and prosper our neighbors. We can only prosper a place or person if we live a lifestyle of generosity towards it or a person. A lifestyle of generosity is truly genius, for it shows that we understand the law of investment, that it's most wise to invest our resources into things that last forever. Now, here's the other part of this. You're like, so you're saying I need to sell everything that I have. No, because I'm not Jesus. I'm just telling you to be obedient. Like this requires us sitting before the Lord and simply saying, all right, Jesus, no one in this room can tell me how my heart is doing in the context of generosity towards you. No one can, right? Like you could look at me and say, I have a nice bass boat sitting in my driveway and I'm taking it to go fishing tomorrow. Steve, are you sure that you should have that? I go, yeah, because I prayed and asked the Lord, is it okay for me to buy this for the context of our family taking fishing? This is a passion of mine. I feel released in that. Yes, right? I can't be convicted by you, but I prayed into and asked the Lord if I had the right to do that. And all I'm saying back to you as it relates to generosity, as it relates to your hard generosity, you have to be obedient to the Lord and no one can tell you what God is saying. And I'm saying to you, but you have a responsibility to sit before the Lord and say, God, is my heart positioned in a place of generosity so that I have an eternal perspective and that at any time I have everything that I own of my time, my energy, my finances, my resources in my hands to let you take them as you will. And if you are before the Lord and can say that, then well done. And if not, well, let's just learn and begin shifting to make a wise investment with who you are and what you have. He wants to speak into that. You have to give him space to do that. Because the idea is we want to seek the prosperity. Generosity makes that happen. So Jesus, thank you for your presence with us. We're asking Holy Spirit that you would come and convict the world of sin and of righteousness and you would lead us, God, in the understanding of what it means with our resources. That, Father, we truly would live in that place, God, of saying everything that I have belongs to you. And that we would live in that place, Lord, of being confident that we are bringing prosperity. We live confident, Jesus, that we are pursuing generosity. And we are confident, God, that we're obedient to you in the context of how we view our finances. Because in Jesus' name. The breakthrough concept that we're going to go, number one for us, is this. We're going to have five of these. My heart always goes where I put God's money, where I put God's time, and where I put God's talent, knowing that everything that I have ultimately has been given to me. 
This morning, I want to invite you to respond. And here's the way to respond. Number one, you've got to ask the Lord, where am I with my generous heart? But number two, here's the thing. God loves to be generous. He loves to be generous in breakthrough. He loves to bring, be generous in the context of restoration. God loves to be generous in the context of his presence. He wants to come and move in power. So some of you say, God, I need you to move in my life. And then you name your thing. And God says, I'm a generous God. And I long for you to prosper. And he loves to come and to move and to speak into your life. And so if you want people to pray for you, ministry teams will be doing that. Offering. God created what was called tithes in the church. And excuse me, back in like, in long time ago, Deuteronomy. It says, hey, I want to make sure that your heart is always right before me. So I'm going to create the tithe, 10%. So that every single money, every single dollar that comes into you, you're being faithful to give 10% back to me to show that money has not crippled you and kept you from being obedient. New Testament says, hey, it's not just 10%, it's everything is available to me. And so that's why we create this, this sign of worship saying, God, my heart does not belong to wealth. It belongs to you. Communion. Oh my gosh. You want to talk about the, the ultimate expression of generosity. Jesus died. Body broken, blood poured out. As an expression of generosity. Why? So that you could prosper. We could prosper. The church could prosper. This is the ultimate prosperity theology. I'm going to die in my joy so that you can live. That's my generosity towards you. So, as you take, you can remember and say, Jesus, thank you for your generosity. Thank you, God, that you have allowed me to prosper. And I live in that today, awakening again to the fact your body and your blood pour out. All right. So we're officially done with the morning. It's late. I get it. So go this week process these things. Ask God where your heart is. And I would just say, go experience this week blessing somebody. Go go buy their meal. Go buy their grocery bill, right? I, I shop at Publix and eat at La Perea. You can meet me there, right? I'm game to be the one that you can experience that with, okay? Have a great week. Respond to the Lord. Let him love on you. Let him bless you and let him speak to you this morning.